I'm Steve Gilman, and this is Brand Story, where we help you build stronger, more sustainable brands by sharing insightful conversations with brand leaders, marketers, and professional storytellers. My guest today is Jim Petrozinski. I think a lot of people don't ask the, the why question, especially when we're talking about like why why does this product exist or why do we need this or why, why is it important to our culture? Jim is the CEO of Soulsight, a brand design agency who have been building emotive brands for over 30 years. He has worked with global giants like Kraft Heinz, Coca-Cola, and Pfizer, earning a ton of recognition in the process. Hi, Jim. Welcome to Brand Story. Thanks, Steve. So you were chief marketing officer at Soulsight for a good amount of years and just recently, you know, I guess, what, four or five months ago, transitioned to CEO? Yes, that's correct. So, wow, what a that's a big change as far as, you know, duties and your everyday. What's it look like for you? You know, a lot of it is uh, working through a little bit of a repositioning um, for a company. You know, you always have to evolve to, to maintain relevancy. Um, that was a big driver of where and how the, the title change came. You know, if you know me well, titles don't mean anything. Uh, I can, you can call me the janitor. I don't mind. You know, it's a... Uh, you know, I, at one point I thought it would be fun to have creative names for a creative agency, but, you know, when you get into business and you start working with brand managers and CMOs of Fortune 100 companies, title means something more there so that they understand what you're doing. So Yeah, they like the title on the other end. Yeah, I don't know how they would feel about the janitor showing up to <laughs> be part of the strategy session. Yeah, they want, they, they want the title in the room. So I think you were smart to go with that instead of janitor. Yeah, I had, I had Kristen Govalo, the CEO of the Martin Agency, on. And one of the things we talked about was, you know, you're, you're sort of repositioning now and you always have to keep your agency's brand fresh. And there's so many agencies that have forgotten that it's important for them to have a brand. You know, so she called it like fighting invisibility because you just blend in, you know. So that is true. That is, is that true. kind of the path you're on right now? Yeah, I think as you look at our work and what we do, uh, the last thing – we want to be pigeonholed as the agency that does X, you know, the agency that just does package design. And that's why we think of ourselves as a holistic branding agency. And that's not meant to say that we do everything and everything around a brand, but that we really understand a brand. And a lot of agencies can say that the one way that we're looking to redefine ourselves actually goes back to how we began 25, 26 years ago, and is really to focus on emotion and, emotion, how emotion plays into purchase decision and how emotion plays into creation and creative. And we're working on some proprietary research that um, is going to be able to measure that in a quantitative way instead of just being qualitative and subjective. So that, you know, something that I always felt a passion for, 70% of our decision making is made unconsciously through our emotion. Even though everyone will say, don't make decisions with emotion. Most of the time, we are making decisions with emotion. So I couldn't agree with that more. So I, I love that you all are working on how to quantify that. A lot of clients and certainly consumers aren't as comfortable speaking, you know, from an emotional point of view. But you know, when you look at how people make decisions and how they're persuaded, emotion really does just rule the day. I mean, that's really how it works. So I read something that I, I thought was so interesting about your history that. Your interest in design and in emotion started really early and that as a boy, you used to just sketch Tony the Tiger over and over again. That is true. Um, there's a funny story where, you know, cereal boxes were, as a kid, are, 
you know, they have them on the table, sit and look at them. And um, I would, you know, we'd look at all the po the boxes. And it's funny, Kellogg's actually is right across the street from the river from us um, in the merchandise mart. But um, Tony the Tiger somehow interested me. And I would draw, We, we I would look at the box and kind of draw it off to the side, draw it, you know, try to copy the image of Tony the Tiger, um, not by tracing, but by like actually drawing it. And I remember drawing it and coloring it, and I was really proud of it. And I, I brought it to my mom, and my mom and my mom said, "You didn't draw that. You, you, you traced it, didn't you?" And I'm, I, you know, I was probably in second grade or first grade at the time, and I'm like, "No, I really drew it." Now she believes me, but I mean, it took a, it took 50 years for that to happen. I'm sure that's such a cool way to get started in this industry. You can probably, you know, see the through line from there to becoming CEO of SoulSight. You know, you fell in love with this stuff early, didn't you? Yeah, really did. I, um, it's weird how it comes full circle too, because my grandfather worked in a um, in a packaging facility where they more structural than it was actual graphic. But I was also really interested in like the the three dimensional form of things and how things come together or come apart. Like origami was interesting to me as a kid, and it's just interesting how it all kind of comes full circle to like what did you love when you were five you know, creates the passions that, you know, you're, that you're still chasing today. I know. I think that's so cool. And I'm sure what you saw in that packaging still inspires you today. I mean, those packages that we all stared at when we were kids, that's very emotional because you find there's nostalgia in that, the colors, the, the images, the characters, all of that, I think meant a lot to us because they were sitting right next to us while we were eating and every morning and we had our favorites. So I bet that I bet that had a lot of inspiration because you've been an art director, you've had to pull on that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is true. It's like you're looking for what are the when we're looking for like what the meaning or that you talk about story is. There's story behind reasons why people make choices, and when we talk about the design work, you know, what's we ask what's the story behind or the concept that we're presenting. So it's deeper than just you know I chose blue because it's calming. Well really what is what is what's the story behind the purpose that we're trying to to talk about and um i'm also fascinated by um just understanding why people choose what they wear what they eat you know understand understand more about them by what they're purchasing yeah it's fascinating i f i find it endlessly fascinating i go to a lot of music festivals and i i'm i just love being a fly on the wall as people's musical tastes change and what they experience and why they love it and why they buy into the stories of certain artists and the relationship they seem to have. And it's such an emotional thing. And again, it's just story. They're buying into a story and a feeling. And I just think it's so cool. And package design has so much to do with that. With some of the work you all have done is so great. Um, you've worked with big names like Coors, the Tennessee Titans, Heinz, Hershey's. There's been some stuff you've done recently that I really love, but is there anything, a few projects recently that you've done that just really, you're really proud of your team or something that you would highlight? Oh, there's so there's, I mean, I'm proud of everything that we do, you know, as far as it goes out, but that, that's a, that's an easy answer. But I think there is, there are things that never make it to market that I'm like, this is the greatest thing that we've ever done. You know, um, I'm more proud of the relationships that we can maintain over the the year. So, you know, Molson Coors has been a client of ours for over 20 years. That's unheard of in our industry. Hershey has been a 
client of ours for over, you know, over a decade at least. Those relationships tell, speak to me more about the human relationships that we have with individuals um, in their career path and in the iconic value of what those companies, the brands those companies own and operate. Yeah, that's phenomenal that you've been with those brands that long. You know, really good agencies, agencies that clients keep around tend not to be transactional. They're more about forming real relationships and actually showing up to help. So we're the same way. A lot of our clients are 10 years plus. What do you think really sets you all aside from other agencies that you can keep that kind of relationship that long? So I think it's leaning, it's being able to lean in and understand empathetically what the problem is to solve, which is, a, you know, the definition of design, but being able to come up with ideas or solutions that aren't just stunt marketing or stunt design to create, a, you know, something that people might notice for a bit. It's imp always important for us to come in with fresh thinking, a fresh lens and, you know, not, especially in those longer tenured relationships, not getting complacent because marketing, the market changes. And I think the market is changing faster than ever in the last three to four years. That's great. I'm glad to hear that because your work is amazing. And I think you can tell, like, you know, there's a lot of marketing and a lot of, you know, brand efforts and packaging design that you can tell is just about whatever's latest and greatest. You know, it's, it's kind of, they want to create some buzz or they want to do this. And I always feel like you can see the agency wanting it for their book or they're going to try to take it for an award. And one of the things I really noticed about your all's work is that it's just so solid and so about the brand. So you recently did some work for, I think, I believe it's for Coors, the, you know, Blue Moon Light Beer redesign. That is really good. We've been working on that brand for over 10 years. I think we're in our third refresh or repositioning. So that's been interesting too, because trying to come up and keep up with what the perceptions of what that brand means to a general market and then also to a specific craft consumer has and the craft consumer is constantly changing and it has changed a lot over the past 10 years. So that's quite exciting um, to be able to have that knowledge of what has happened in the past to understand where we need to build and go. You know, I think it's rare that you get the opportunity to, to grow with a brand where the, where the client may say, we want a fresh approach. So let's just bring in a fresh agency. You know, and my argument is always, you can bring in a fresh agency, but let us have a shot at showing you what we think is best for the next phase or the next five year brand. Sometimes new is just new, you know, and, and you, you, when you have a real relationship with a brand and you've been through, you know, multiple redesigns or an evolution with the consumers or changes in the marketplace, I feel like what ha the output of that tends to be more real and more about the consumer and less about fancy, cool, edgy design. Absolutely. And I, I can really see that in your all's work. There's, you know, work that you just did for cores that, uh, you know, I looked at it and I looked at it a few more times and I think if a new agency had just gotten a hold of that, they would have done too much. And what you guys did was just enough right to perfect. There's a lot of subtlety that went into that and thinking about what does Coors Light mean, you know, and what's the story really? Like, where is it from? And Made to Chill was like a, uh, the, the agency had come up with that as a tagline, 
but yet there's a sense of warmth that when when you're chilling you know like when you're hanging out and when you're laying back so how do you bring that warmth into something that you want to drink cold and then also feel the the coldness of the rocky mountains so the packaging itself becomes you know like the almost like another billboard for the how the brand communicates and i like to think of it as almost the artifact for what holds the what holds the brand together because those are the things that are going to that you're going to carry from place to place so it's it's almost the it is only one of the expressions of how the brand comes to life as we as we grow in innovation and there's more digital work being done on brands and there's more social being done on brands but it also is usually the moment of truth for how we interact with um what we're looking for and yeah and one thing that's great too is that from a business perspective being able it's not often that because the results of what we do are so scattered across so many different agencies and disciplines it's hard to really tell what affected the brand repositioning or the or the new innovation you know what affected the brand work that we do, did have on everything else because it's all tied back to the center uh, but it's great to see something go into market and share rise, market share rise or you know number of barrels sold number of barrels increase category you know expansion increase you know so but you have to imagine that that at least is the inspiration for the all the rest of the execution that has to happen to communicate there's so many expressions and so many channels but you know you would think it's a little bit like building a house every brick is going to have some sort of effect and uh the packaging you all did i just love it the use of blue is so clever and i think what you've done with cores anyone walking by um, a 12 pack of cores is going to see this gentleman's work and uh it's pretty great man yeah and i i saw that through all the work i looked at it felt very authentic to the brand and i've seen tons of agency work of course just like you have and you know i can always see the agency where it's like wow that's really cool and then you're like but it looks like it was made because someone really wanted it in their book not because it fit the personality of the brand so well yeah it's a i agree i, I think being able to be adaptable and versatile has always been something that's interesting to me. I never wanted to be pigeonholed as the agency where you could see the work and then right away you could tell, oh, that's X's work. I can tell. And it's the it's interesting the award when you start looking at the awards competitions competitions and you see what may have won, you know, a, 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 the gold award, the platinum award. And I always want to ask, well, how did it really do in market? Because is it really winning in market or is it just what's really winning? Because it's a great design. You know, designers think it's a great design. Yeah. I think there is a difference, by the way. You know, there's a ton of over-designed stuff. Like, the you know, Auntie Annie's packaging that you did is perfect. It's perfect. Like, it's exactly what that brand should have. And it feels like that brand. It's so simple. Yeah. In the past couple of years, we've gotten into some quick serve branding. And it's what's interesting about it is the experience too, right? So you have to think about the experience that, of when you walk up to the counter and order. I mean, we're, we're only so much under the control of the person that's going to be able to serve you. But like, what does it feel like? And then all of the hidden messaging that's in, you know, the icon, whether you get it or not, but being able to stay true to historically who Auntie Anne's is and I think for many people, there is that emotional experience of sharing a hot pretzel with someone, you know, whether it be a partner or a child or a grandparent, you know, like that is, that goes back to a lot of people's youth. Yeah. 
Uh, you've worked on some really cool stuff. I really love your work. So you've been in leadership a long time. I know, uh, you know, certainly being a CMO is about leadership. Now you're leading the entire agency. Um, what's something surprising that you've learned about leadership, especially now that you're the CEO? Great question. I think su the, the biggest surprise I think for me is the opportunity that there's more opportunity sitting at the, like sitting on the table than I realized, you know, I think there are, when you're, when you're focused more on the marketing aspect of what we do, and then you're able to step back and away from it, that there is, there's opportunities that are waiting for us. We just have to, again, lean in, look around and say like, and say, and have, and having the confidence to, to say, there may be something here. I think personally, like if I think about personally as a, as a CEO, it's constantly pushing myself forward to learn more. And, you know, I don't care if you've been in the business for five years or 30 years, like I can still learn from someone that's, that's new to the industry or, or new to the, new to our category. That's probably one of the coolest things about being in the industry we're in is that if you want to be complacent or you just need a routine, this is probably not the place to be. But if you really love change and love learning, if you're a natural learner, there's like, I feel like I learn as much every month as I've always learned. It's always changing. There's always something new. It's kind of a blast, really. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to read as much as I like to, but so, but I'm reading all books about business and management. And, you know, if you're familiar with uh, Liz Wiseman and Adam Grant and Daniel Pink, it's either Adam Grant or Daniel Pink. I can't remember the author off the top of my head, but um, there was a book about regret and like how that, he, that, that was just published last year, or the year before, and not, it's okay to regret things that you've done in the past because that's how we learn. And it was like a big aha moment for me. Like, I don't have to feel bad about that. I can like, I can just learn from that. That's cool. Yeah, I think that might have been Adam Grant. That sounds familiar. Have you read it's somebody I had on the podcast, but I've been, I was a fan of the book for a long time before. But have you read Unreasonable Hospitality by Will Gadara? I have read it, but it's been a while. Man, I love that book. I think yeah. that's like when you think about it in terms of agency brands and how we serve our clients. You know, this is a very human business to be in because we're talking about ideas and we're helping other people succeed. I think the agencies that are better at honestly helping people succeed instead of being in it for themselves really do succeed. Yeah. And I, I would say that that's been one of the sources of real encouragement over the years is working with people for a number of years and watching them grow into leadership positions from whether they're associate brand manager to the director of innovation, to the, to a VP and then maybe even a CMO. And I've been along with them for the whole ride. And I'm not, I'm not taking credit for their ambition or their career, but to be able to be part of that journey with them has been super rewarding. And I learned from them along the way too. So it's that's been a compelling piece for me is just always being supportive as much as I can. Yeah, I think that's a great feeling, being able to help other people grow because you grow right along with it. And I think it's a big deal. So you've been working in an independent agency for so many years. And I love to ask this of the agency people I have on. The industry is crazy. It changes all the time. But what's something you'd change about agencies if you could change something? I think uh, if I could change something about agencies, it would be if we could all get to room and understand that, you know, when we undercut our value, we undercut our value for everybody. Like not just our like not just ourselves to get into the door. There's a lot of, or when we do spec work to get a project, 
we're, we're undermining, you know, we're undermining what we have, the value that we have to bring to the table. Cause I've seen that, I've seen and heard stories of, you know, outsour- people, uh, seven or eight companies submitting it for an RFP and then taking those ideas and using them to start the brief to brief another agency that they, you know, want to go on. So I think that there's, there's not, I, I think it's an understanding that many people have, but I don't under, I don't think that we really understand the effect of, of what that's done. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's a lot of people doing themselves and others a lot of harm just by making promises they can't keep and just trying to get the business without thinking about things being sustainable. Yeah, and, and sustainable, we can't we can't burn ourselves out. I mean, that Yeah. It's like you can't just try to do everything at once. You have to just do quality work and do what you're best at and, you know, be proud of the brand that you have. Because I think so many people chase that next big thing, that next big client. And it's a slippery slope to just losing your mind, really. <laughs> you know, it's just nuts. So what's a trait of yours that you used to think is a weakness that you've learned to value? So I, I would say that this is going to sound strange, but uh, my sensitivity. Uh, but, you know, I'm not your typical man's man. You know, like there's, I'm the first to cry during the national anthem or you know, I cannot watch my daughter run in a track and field event or listen to my son play jazz piano without tearing up. Like it's, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm pretty soft when it comes to that kind of stuff. But I think having that sensitivity allows me to like look at things from a different perspective than someone and being open and vulnerable to experience things in different ways. I used to be embarrassed by it, but now, you know, it's it, take me as I am. I, I don't have the mental capacity to be, to be two different types of people. So yeah, I think it's just, uh, it's just in, it's in my DNA. I can't help it. Yeah. I think that's a real strength, man. You know, I think being able to feel authentically and be yourself and bring that to, you know, both your work relationships, your client relationships and your style of leadership. I think that's what people, you know, a generation before us or more, didn't understand is you can't go to work and be like this work robot with no feelings. I often say like, we should feel joyful coming to work. I know it's, it's probably impossible to feel it 100% of the time just because we're human, but there should be some, you should feel some joy at least every week in what we're doing. I mean, look, I mean, get to work on beer for God's sake. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like nothing about against people that dig ditches in the freezing cold, but we're not doing that. And that seems really hard. Right. You know, I don't want to do that. So what's something about your work? I've got a few more questions for you and then I'll let you go. I don't want to keep you too long. What's something about your work that you don't get asked a lot or that you want people to know more about? I think a lot of people don't ask the, the why question, you know, the, especially when we're talking about like, why, why does this product exist or why do we need this or why, why is it important um, to our culture? What need does it solve? You know, it's Simon Sinek's, uh, the what, the why, the how, right? Like, but I think that why question is something that you got to dig really deep in. Um, I would love to be able to have those types of conversation, deep conversations. Yeah. I think those are where the good stuff is. You know, I think that's like a question that when it doesn't get asked, it might be a red flag. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you're not really able to dig into that, I'm not sure. Like I've been in those situations too, where no one wants to answer those kind of questions and you don't get a great result. 
So you've had a lot of change. You're CEO now, and you know the industry is always changing. But what would you name this chapter of your life right now? I would say hope and beauty is what how I, how I'd name this chapter. Uh, we got to have hope for things to get better all the time. Shawshank, right? Like you got to Shawshank Redemption. It comes from that that movie. Like life is tough, but it's going to be okay. everything. It, but it, that's okay, you know. And but you got to have hope. And I think beauty is something that is you got to find the beauty in every imperfection and everything every day. And again, I sound like I'm preaching, but it's something I have to remind myself of just sometimes to get through some hard days. And um, with those two in mind, like gratitude is is super important to practice uh, as we move forward. Those are really, really important things to have going on in your life and to be grateful for and to try to find every day, you know? So I, I really see that like through line of empathy, just running through everything that you care about. And I think that's really cool. Thank you. I mean, like I said, I'm authentically, I am who I am and I'm not going to answer you with a business, a typical business analysis uh, representation of, you know, where we should be in the market and, and how we're being competitive. I don't know that that's all that interesting to many people folks, but at least for me. And I think it comes back to like the business we're in and how people make decisions, you know, people make them emotionally. So they, you need people who can feel what other people feel and project themselves into people's dreams and their hopes and what they're going through. And none of that is on a spreadsheet. hundred percent. So let me ask you one last question. If you could give your younger self any advice at this point in your life, what would it be? I think it goes back to like understanding that you add value. I think we add value all the way through our lives. I just don't think that we often going through adolescence and being younger, younger understand the value that we're bringing to the table and don't feel like you have to solve everyone's problems, you know, would be my, the biggest lesson for myself. Well, thanks so much for today, man. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, so nice to meet you and take care. Want to hear more inspiring stories? Subscribe on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, please rate, review, and share. It's the best way to support us. Thank you for listening to Brand Story.